Welcome to Rocketship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome mobile apps. I'm Sam Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Dan Stepanov. Don't confuse him with Dan Abramov, uh, but his CV is definitely just as exciting. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah, 6.30 in the morning, 6.44 in the morning in Los Angeles, and uh, I got my coffee. It's a great day. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm 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 really pleased. We had a chat for about five minutes before we hit record. That was already epic. We should have pressed record. Um, it was good. But it was anyway, good, yeah. we gotta do we gotta do this now again. Um, <laughs> I tried to look at your CV online. It was really impressive to me. Uh, can, can you brush the the broad picture of what you did over the last years for listeners? Yeah. Uh, so I started my uh, career uh, academically, like chemical engineering, and. Uh, decided, no, that's not for me. Uh, somehow I finished it, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I sort of discovered, rediscovered programming through uh, hackathons midway through college and then just decided to do that. And my GPA dropped like from a 3.8 no, to 2.1. Um, I don't know if that makes sense in how you guys quantify like academic success in Germany, but in America... Yeah. Yeah, no. ab ab absolutely not. But I guess it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. It's yeah. Um, and so then I proceeded <laughs> to uh, you know move to the valley and uh, work on tech stuff. Uh, my rent jumped from something like six hundred dollars to three thousand dollars or something stupid. And um, uh, but I got to see uh, the launch of Expo. Uh, so or exponent at the time it was 2016 i want to say yeah uh in palo alto and so that was really cool uh but we've come a long way since then i've been working largely on uh on expo projects and i've done a number of different startups and uh have sort of gone from building applications using react native and expo to working on the tooling that react native and expo users, primarily power users, uh, use to navigate that ecosystem. Yeah, um, we will definitely later talk about um, Create Expo Stack, which is, I think, basically your latest project, which looks amazing. Um, you also got Snack for that, which is probably a bit older. Uh, but nonetheless, we're going to cover that. Uh, you, you mentioned Expo. Is it actually really in 2016? Have you been yeah. like one of the founding people or have you just been around? What, 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 what I, are you giving this story about that? I pride myself on somehow like very fortunately finding myself in the room with just intelligent people uh completely accidentally and that definitely was the case uh, i think charlie started working on charlie Cheever started working on expo with <clears throat> maybe james in the summer of 2015 and um there was a launch then event uh, and i'm talking like maybe no more than 100 people show right? And he's explaining what this mm. is. And I was just there to see Charlie, right? Because this is like an icon to me. Like he is, I hear the name Charlie Cheever, Cora, right? Facebook, yeah, he, like... He, he, he had like a game before or a game builder or something. I, he, I think Cedric he, mentioned it before. Do you know what that was? I, it, it does sound familiar. And I, yeah, I, uh, I know he's known for a library at Facebook that's still being employed today. Uh, and then, and then Cora, and I, nice. that I was living in the apartment of his former co-founder. Actually, I, f I later found that out. Um, and uh, <laughs> and so, yeah. Then I, I go to this this announcement, and I'm like, I have. I went up to him like after the the talk, and I'm like, Charlie, 
I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what you just said. Like I, and the react native had just launched, right? Like we're talking like very early on. Um, I was like, but it's just so nice to meet you. And I'm sure this is going places, you know, flash forward, like however many years later, right now, I'm just, my entire career is built on this set of tooling. So it's just, it's been a crazy journey. My, what a, what a great story. Um, have you been later also uh, employed at Xbor, or have you just worked like so, as some sort of a, of a contract, or have you have you done no work with with Xbor like briefly, on a contract basis? Yeah, I briefly trial worked with their team, um, and it was actually just an incredible experience. I've started writing a lot more, and uh, I'm still actually currently writing something on that experience. Um, but I had I've been teaching kids to sort of like backtrack a little bit. I've also been teaching kids to code on and off uh, for a number of years. And I use Expo Snack to do so because it's just this quick, like you spin up into that environment. And um, I tweeted about like, hey, Snack like is amazing, uh, but here's how it could be better, right? Particularly for this use case of teaching kids. Um, and Charlie, mm -hmm. this, is, this is seven years after that, that Exponent talk, um, <clears throat> what would later become Expo. Uh, and he, Charlie responds on Twitter and he's like, basically, how would you like to do that? Like, how would, how would you like to build snack into that? And I was like, excuse me. Um, and then I just ended up, you know, working on it. And, uh, you know, we, we tried a lot of different iterations. Uh, the team is incredibly talented. Absolutely. Some of the best people I've ever worked with, um, And Charlie even came down to Santa Monica, like where I live, to try to figure out like a role that would work. The timing was just off. It's like mm -hmm. it didn't make sense at the time. Uh, and so I sort of now like work on tooling that I think would exist, should exist, but likely would never be made by Expo because they, they really do build things according to a specific ethos and a set of principles. And... Um, we obviously see the, the result of that work and it's, it's incredible, but I think that there are a couple of things that are worth challenging and ultimately the important thing is that the end developer and the end user see the best experience, right? Uh, so, so I have this yeah. like dynamic, it's like an odd thing. Like I, 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 I can't even personally name it, but, uh, We're, we're all on still good terms. Like they're, they're incredible people. I, yeah, like I still chat with them. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with the tooling around this. And I think this is actually a very interesting market. So this is pretty much the same, like with, with Superbase. So a few years ago, Superbase came up as like the Firebase alternative. And now you see every year and there are tools around Superbase come up. And I think Expo is exactly the same. Like Expo is, is, I mean, it's you said it's 2016 when it got started as Exponent, but I feel like it is just getting started the last two years. So people were always complaining, like, oh, Expo Eject is so bad, and we hate Expo, and it's so different. And it's just this year that it starts that people accept, oh, actually, actually, Expo is not that bad. Actually, it's it's actually pretty good. Maybe, maybe we should use it. Like, everyone should use Expo. Yeah. And so... I guess it's, the next one, two, three years, there will be tons of cool cool tools around Expo that we still need. It's uh, it's really interesting to observe how people perceive Expo. And I think that's really where I like to dig in. And that's a lot of where Create Expo Stack kind of really comes in. 
uh, is that people, re they're, they're coming at uh, Expo from very different backgrounds. And I came at it from, you know, originally developing an Objective-C in Swift. And I take that native understanding and bring it into uh, JavaScript, React, and React Native. Um, but most folks don't do that. Expo has tried really hard to build very, very strong tooling around um, exposing some of these native things to JavaScript developers. Um, but I don't think you should ever really go into the Expo ecosystem expecting it to be like, oh, hey, I'm a React dev. Like, I'm going to step into, or I'm a web dev. I'm going to step into Expo. And this is just the way web devs make mobile apps. It's like, no, uh, it's... It's a bit more than that. You, you do actually have to understand how mobile functions. <laughs> and I think that'll be even more true, actually, moving into the near future. Um, things like Expo modules is just phenomenal for, for what you can do with it, uh, what you can build. And um, similarly, like Expo pre-build, right? Uh, the, the ejecting thing, to that effect, like... I've recently talked to a lot of folks about this. Brand is incredibly important in terms of developer tooling. And, and the reality is if you, you can either work on your brand and choose to acknowledge that it's important or the brand and reputation will be determined for you. And I think that Expo has somewhat <laughs> battled with this over the last few years. And, and the ejecting thing is still very sort of present uh, internally as a discussion. Uh, the, there's a huge perception still that, that ejecting is, is like a thing. Um, and it's, it's not quite really. Um, so not only are you like picture yourself at Expo, not only are you sort of working on the tooling of the future, but you're also sort of battling this past perception. Um, of what people thought about Expo even just three years ago. And so it's a really challenging thing to do. It kind of feels a bit like, so, so from my background as a web developer, I kind of come from Angular. Um, and so I've been through the whole Angular JS to the actual Angular thing. And it kind of feels like Expo with eject is basically the same. So eject is the Angular JS and then Expo is now uh, the new thing. And people still hate Angular because of AngularJS and, and the break that Google did back then. Really, like seven years later, I still hear, no, I will not use Angular. You know, back then when we switched from Angular, that almost everything was bad. And it, it's kind of the same with eject. Like you do one mistake in like one bad decision. Like eject at that time was probably like, it was not a bad decision. It was just like, yeah, let, let's do this. Let's give folks the option to eject from us and then they can do whatever. And it just like, It's just like like a stigma to Expo. I don't know why. It is. It is. I think it's worth it's worth sort of embracing the stigma and trying to power through it. Um, I think I'm excited to see the future of like pre-build um, and what what the marketing really uh, like what the brand around pre-build is because it's so incredibly powerful and so much of the work that I do now. Uh, for, for various organizations is employing pre-build. Um, and so for someone who knows what they're doing um, and, and kind of want wants to dig into that um, while not really, because because the value of Expo at the end of the day, in my opinion, is there's this sort of, there's the f uh, 
business logic of your application, right? What you actually want to do. And then there's the native bits, uh, uh, what makes a, a platform mobile. And, and Expo does an incredible job, especially if you come mentally equipped for it, of abstracting away those native bits um, so that you can reasonably move forward on your business logic. And so ejecting was an attempt to give people more control based off an assumption that the development experience could exist inside of these sort of like bumpers, right? Like this, this is what it can be. Uh, hmm. And this is what people want. And once people sort of shifted like slightly out of that, they were like, okay, well you can eject. And it's like, well, yes, but dear God, what an experience to eject. Right. And, uh, and, and Expo learned that lesson the hard way is like, you know, sometimes, sometimes you fuck around and you find out. And, uh, and, uh, and so they've fortunately kind of pivoted properly out of it. I think the only thing remaining is to create this very seamless experience uh, around the alternative, which is pre-build. Um, and it's, it's not even, I could go on about pre-build. I've had so many conversations about it and it's, uh, <laughs> it's just so powerful. It's so amazing. Um, yeah. I completely agree. Uh, we could probably talk 20 more minutes about pre-built, but I would also like to cover uh, your, your snack for that and uh, the create expo stack application. But I just want to rewind to, did you actually say that you are kind of the creator behind snack.expo.dev? Like not only no, the no, idea, no. but you also actually worked on implementing it or? I, okay, so Charlie created snack, uh, like snack.expo.dev. Um, I think in like a weekend right. or something way, way back. I don't remember when. You can check the commit history. Yeah, of course. Um, I, people normally use it for debugging, recreation, different purposes. Um, but I was using it to teach kids to code um, to varying degrees of success. Uh, it is not built for that. Um, <laughs> and I, I think Charlie has this sort of, Uh, you know, like this really like th that idea of like when you look at your kid and you're like, you're cap you're capable of so much more, you know, like he sees what snack could be. Um, and when I expressed this interest, you know, he was like, okay, like, let me pull this person in who might share that kind of desire to, to do that. And, and ultimately I ended up like the realization was that like snack is not a fine, like a, uh, it's a very big top of funnel source for Expo, right? A lot of people will be brought into Expo through Snack, mm. but it doesn't actually generate any revenue. And also it is one of mm. the most uh, financially taxing things for the organization. And so I was quickly moved into working on other things. Uh, and so I went from working with Cedric very frequently to working with uh, Evan a little bit more. Um, And so I didn't create Snack. I, I briefly worked on it. I personally okay. believe that there is a much more powerful and robust tool to be built. Uh, I think most of the team agrees with that. Um, Snack was a very good start, but ultimately Charlie created it. Um, Expo Go is just limited, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think when, when I had Cedric here on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago, 
He said that he actually wants to put a bit more time again into Snack and implement some functionality. So I'm just on Snack Expo Dev and see there's actually now a button to open with Orbit and the Orbit extension for Mac was just announced like, I don't know, one or two months ago. So probably he already did something. But yeah, I, I see... I also see the value of Snack and there's actually something I wish that would exist. Like I'm I'm also trying to teach people just as you try to teach kids. Maybe I'm trying to teach a bit older people, but I would really like to give them like, like quizzes or something like fill in the blanks here in this, here's the code snippet and now go ahead and fix it and do this in an easy way. And I think with StackBlitz or other editors for the web, you, you get this really cool for the web already, or I think uh, Firebase or Google, they're also working on some kind of editor. Um, so yeah, if we, if we had a better tool for Expo where we could like share stuff and uh, yeah. I mean, if you had it's, more time, that would probably yeah, be something for you. <laughs> It's uh, it's somewhat the next step, but uh, we can we can speak to create expos. I took a lot from the experience of working on Snack with Cedric. Um, and by the way, like huge shout out to Cedric. He is one of the most incredible people I have ever worked with. Incredibly talented, incredibly humble. Takes the time. He is like if you were to have a boss, or like you just graduated and you want someone to sort of show you the ropes. Cedric is the person. He is phenomenal. I cannot sing his praise uh, loud enough. And um, he, bless his heart, took all the time in the world to try to explain how Snack works, right? And and part of the issue uh, is that it's it's really convoluted. It's, uh, it's very much built in this sort of like layering, you know, like the Chernobyl like reactor has like layers of, of cement on top of it and stuff <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. And uh, and then there's the a, a chunk of it, in fact, that is Snackager, right? The bit that actually like figures out, okay, this is all of what you want. Let me turn that into something meaningful, return it to you so you can see what, you know, that running. Uh, it actually bundles everything. Um, and that's the part that actually makes working on Snack for other people outside of Expo impossible. Um, and so I love that Cedric wants to do more with it. The problem is that he and a select group of other people are going to be the only people who can do that because you can't really meaningfully, to my knowledge, mm -hmm. at least at the time, recreate Snackager, which is a core component of running it locally. Um, the, so, and the debugging experience for Snackager or for Snack in general is kind of challenging. So, uh, when you build things, you know, what you, what's the lesson here is like, when you build things, you really, if you intend for them to be extended, uh, beyond yourself, then you have to be very mindful of how you're constructing that. And I take that lesson forward into everything that I build, including create expo stack, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's a, the perfect segue to talk about Expo Stack. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna just I just want to say one word about Snack for that. I think it's it's the project that came before. Um, it was meant as sort of a of a library of snacks, I guess. Is it is it still active? Is it still under development? Do you still see potential for for Snack for that, or is it like yeah, an old thing? Snack we should for just that. Ignore? Snack for that was definitely a precursor. It 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 walked so that uh, Create Expo Stack could run. Um, it is a collection of, I should say, it is a collection of 
uh, a lot of isolated implementations of, of things. Uh, I don't really add to it. Uh, if I see something meaningful, I will. Its primary limitation is it, it's ultimately limited by uh, its environment, which is Snack, right? It, Snack operates with an Expo Go. Mm -hmm. Expo Go has limitations on what it can do. And in fact, the most powerful and impressive and memorable slash iconic aspects of Expo are the native components. And so they're things that you would run in the dev client. And so I am trying to shift more to how do you easily spin up that dev client and how do you share and collaborate within that? And I think that to your point of like teaching people, I think that is where the power is, is we need to figure out a way uh, to meaningfully share the dev client experience so that you are unbound in like what you create with Expo, right? Whereas Snack and subsequently Snack for that is always going to be limited in that capacity. Sounds, that sounds really uh, amazing. If in the future you could work on that, uh, I would be really, really happy to see and test the results. <laughs> <laughs> But um, you you actually did some something probably even better, uh, at least at the moment. So to be honest, I, I shied away from expostack.dev simply for the reason if I do a tutorial, I kind of want to tell people, yeah, just use the default tooling. So I also usually use Stylesheet because that's like the, the common ground for all the people. And so I also use just the Expo CLI until now. But I get increasingly frustrated with the Expo CLI because I can't find the right template. So just today, just to give you an example, I did a tutorial on how to create a custom site menu. So a draw navigation with Expo Router. To make that process easy, I started it with the Expo CLI and I had to use the tabs template because that's actually the only template that does have the Expo router and the file-based routing set up. So I basically always use initialize tabs template and we're going to do now a draw navigation. So let's remove everything from the app folder and oh start again. Um, but still, it's the easy, it's, it's, it's still the easiest way with the Expo CLI right now. I know Expo has tons of templates, but it feels like most of them are outdated. So there's just like four or five at the moment. You got like blank TypeScript, the tabs one, and that's pretty much it. So expostack.dev, is yeah. this the solution to all my problems and even more? It is the beginning of the solution to all of your problems. Um, I want to give credit where credit's due. Create Expo app operates under which say Expo's uh, own CLI, uh, the one you were talking about, it operates under this sort of core principle, a set of core principles, like one, um, give people very min minimalistic, right? Like blank uh, slate, because then with every single thing that you implement, you're learning, right? And so it's important that you understand every single thing that you're implementing, uh, particularly in the JavaScript ecosystem where it's so easy to just move quickly that people don't think about the maintenance uh, and, and they don't really approach it in a first principled way. By forcing the person to go through one thing at a time, they understand it, right? They understand what they've added. They understand the files that they have, the configuration yeah. files or whatever. And that's great. That That's a really, that that makes sense. However, it only makes sense the first time. And if that tool is going to be used subsequent times, right, you're going to spin up other projects, you want to test things in isolation, it's not really meaningful. Um, and the other thing that Create Expo App, the other sort of core principle that it's built upon is um, 
and I think this comes directly from Evan Bacon, all user input is error, right? Is that the experience that you get should be agnostic of any input, right? That, that you should just sort of like uh, hands-free have it work. And, and I think that that is a good principle for a lot of things. This is not one of them. Um, and, and here you run up against <laughs> power users of Expo versus people getting started with Expo, right? And, uh, mm -hmm. and it might serve one of those audiences, but it doesn't serve the other. And I don't think Expo really like makes a very intentional statement of we are for this audience versus we are for that audience. And so when I set out to make create Expo stack, I started again from those like first principles, like what on a ideological level is this about and how is it different? Um, and, and that still rings true as I continue to move forward with it. And, um, I wanted to challenge that all user input is error conjecture. Like I, I vehemently disagree. Like I'm, I'm against that. Uh, I think actually power users want configuration. <laughs> it's very important. And, um, a result of the way that create expo app has gone about it is that you have all these templates, like you said, but they're sort of one off. So even if they were up to date, which maybe they are, um, if you knew you wanted native wind or style sheets and you knew you wanted uh, some navigation library and you knew you wanted Superbase, and this is just how you choose to build things, you would have to go through and initialize three or four separate projects and then pull from them like via those templates, then pull from them the requisite parts and mm -hmm. construct this sort of Frankenstein monster of a thing that is the, all of them together. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so that they play nice, you know, or you'd have to go through the documentation and then you're taking a bet on the fact that these people, you know, are keeping up with their documentation. Um, that's not what you set out to do, right? You want to just build something. And so that is why create expo stack exists is because people just want to build things, you know? And so I'm I not recommending it. it I, I hate, I hate the experience currently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not recommending it for first time. Like you should, you should understand how these things work. And so we make, we make an explicit statement. This is for power users. This is for people who, who have done this before, who are going to do it again and don't want to spend the time setting up native wind V3, V4, Superbase, like uh, SMS auth. Like these are not the things we should be spending our time doing. And you know, it doesn't matter really what, what Expo's principles around that are. Um, this is what the people want kind of thing. So that's what Create Expo Stack is built on. So with, with NPX Create Expo Stack, um, I can configure my project pretty much out of the box. So if I go to the page, I see I can pass in whatever, Expo Router, Tab, Stamagui, Superbase, Stylesheet, Bun. How does all of this under the hood work? I'm really curious because in the past, I tried to create my own no, it was not in the uh, in the Expo ecosystem. It was in a different ecosystem. But I found these bootstrapping tools to be incredibly hard to like get right because, as you said, you you're piecing together a lot of different things. You're piecing together Tamagui. You're piecing together Superbase. Um, you have Expo and different routing concepts. How does all of that work under the hood? Like, could you give us the yeah the explanation for for the regular developer? <laughs> uh yeah. So. I'll say the first time I assembled it, I it it's assembled in a very interesting way. I, I I often say that it took like a month and a half or so to put it together. It's actually half true. 
um, because it was built in two sort of very quick sprints, um, each lasting about four days, where I didn't really go out. I didn't really do anything. I just kind of like sat down and, and tore through some stuff. So initially, the way it worked is that it was just templates. You know, it, you, you would specify what you wanted in the CLI. And then based off of those, I just had templates, like literal GitHub, like projects on branches of the Create Expo stack or repo. And it would pull that in. But then two or three configurations in, I realized I have like 50 templates. You know, and this is not sustainable. <laughs> I can't do this. You know, I'm just running into the same problem that Create Expo app kind of runs into. And uh, and funny enough, Create Vercel app, I think, functions in this way as well. Or Create Next app or whatever it is. Um, <sighs> it, it pulls from templates. And um, so then once I realized, okay, people really like configuration. You know, people people seem to really be a fan of that. I had to rebuild it. And so the way it works now is that I learned uh, about something called EJS, which is a blessing and a curse. Uh, you can basically configure these. Um, and, and there's a diagram, by the way, in the contributing guide that, that highlights all of this, if anyone ever wants to take a look. Um, but what you have basically is a base set of files that are shared amongst all um, all Expo applications. And then you have a set of packages, right? Uh, and those packages are made up of files and file modifications, right? So let's say native wind, right? Native wind has files you need to add, the configuration file. And then it has file modifications to make, say in your app.tsx or whatever, that specify like this is how you have to actually write the styles then and so the entire package can be considered a collection of the files necessary for it and those file modifications and so you start with the base project and you have the packages that you want to add and what create expo stack actually does is that it goes through using ejs where you can sort of introduce conditional logic into JSX files, JS files, whatever, JSON, and it will combine all of the requisite package files and uh, take into account the file modifications. And then it runs a single generator function that goes through all of these EJS files and creates the project then subsequently. Because for a while, you just have a collection mm -hmm. of those EJS files. Uh, and through the props that were passed into the generator function of like what navigation package you're using, what um, package manager you're using, uh, it makes the requisite alterations, removes the unnecessary code, and then ultimately removes the .ejs extension on every file. And the output is your project. Mm -hmm. um, and that's great because it has two very important outcomes or side effects. One it is incredibly easy to update a package like native wind to v4 very quickly um, without very many changes you bump something yeah. in a package.json and maybe you you know change out the current navigation or the configuration file for for whatever it is now so even if the package undergoes a fundamental change it's not that hard and it just works for all the templates and two 
it's incredibly easy to contribute to and extend. And there's that lesson from like what I picked up from working on Snack, right? People are now just working and adding mm -hmm. new configurations, making uh, modifications to existing ones with no input on my part. And that is actually where I define success at this point moving forward is how easy is it for people to extend this? Yeah, I just I just checked it out. Uh, and it, this is actually kind of the same logic that I used for my generation tool. So again, that was in the Angular world and it used Angular schematics, but the approach was was kind of similar. We, we also had these files and creating these files, which is in your case, an EJS file, is really ugly. Like you have a lot of these if else statements, just checking if props is to expo route or if something is tabs, then print in these or do this. And the whole syntax highlighting in my editor never worked. I don't yeah. know if it worked for EJS, but it was a total pain in the backside to to work with these files. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, but it I is definitely a bit give you the credit. Yeah. It's, it's that that part is a little it, cumbersome. It I'm, is totally easy to update it. Yeah. I I am sort of in the background simultaneously working on a robust testing library using um, Maestro from mobile.dev and also a formatting tool for EJS files um, because that is a slightly annoying aspect of it. The trade-off is incredible though. Like if you can put up with, uh, and, and you can always just change the syntax highlighting to like .jsx or, or whatever the file actually is rather than EJS and it it should reasonably show you what it is but uh, it's not perfect by any means for sure I also just saw um, there's at least one pull request I uh, <laughs> I talked to those people so this is a pull request from Vexo um, mm -hmm. Vexo is doing analytics and I talked to the team before um, it's it's really cool that just pretty much everyone can now do a pull request and add his or her own stuff. Uh, I don't know how well Vexo Analytics fits into this. Uh, I'm not here to judge the poll request, but it definitely doesn't look too hard. So you already have, um, I mean, you have the basics. You have Native Wind and Tamagui, which you could probably use. You have either React Navigation or Expo Router. You have Superbase or Firebase. Um, are there any plans to like add more providers or more styling from your side over the next time? Or do you consider it so far done from, from your end? Uh, I, I consider it only done in the sense that like what I set out to do uh, originally is done. However, there are a lot of other things that I am very fortunate to have the community that this project has. Uh, they're very comfortable taking on a lot of ownership. And so what we're discussing right now is as we add more things, what remains core, so sort of part of the CLI itself, and what exists as an option that you can use if you say pull up the help menu or go to the docs or just know what you're doing, right? So there's going to be power users of Create Expo Stack as well. And um, the docs are really going to be the ultimate source for, for understanding that kind of thing. The, the reason that it's meaningful to continue building out configurations is at a certain point, and I think we're sort of already there, you can very easily do something like V0 for Expo with this, right? You can imagine yourself initializing a project mm -hmm. by simply typing in, like, I want it to be this. Um, 
And I think that's really powerful. Uh, is it going to be like the best? I, I always ask myself the question of like, is this actually 10 times better than what it was before? I, I genuinely believe Create Expo Stack is 10 times better than Create Expo App. That I can confidently say. And the question now becomes, what is 10 times better than what Create Expo Stack is right now? Um, and that that becomes what's worth working on. Um, and, and maybe that's just a separate project or problem space altogether, right? There's so much to do in the Expo ecosystem. Um, but but maintaining that focus and, and simplicity of experience is, is at the, uh, it's like the core principle of where we're at. Yeah, I guess making this 10 times better is, is a very ambitious project um, <laughs> for the future. For everyone, V0, you're referencing this uh, AI prototyping thing from Vercel. I actually haven't played around with it, but I used ChatGPT to do something similar. So I don't know how well V0 works, but um, I think I will actually switch over to create Expo Stack. And I do have an idea how I could contribute to this as well, because I just noticed that for Expo Router, you have the stack and you have tabs, but you don't have the draw for the Expo Router. So uh, that should be a pretty, pretty easy contribution to create Expo App. Uh, create expo stack. Yeah, um, should just yeah. be like one one folder and one pull request. I could I could probably do this on the weekend. And this and is this is what I, I live finally for. start applications with expo. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Is like <laughs> the fact that you want this thing to exist and that you know, like in a day, effectively, you could pull it together. That's what I always wanted. You know, I I think it's these things aren't hard, and Expo has incredibly sophisticated tooling, but there's this like where you're at now and what you want. And then there's like what the tooling is capable of. And the question is, how easy does that middle part, like how, how easy does anyone make it for you to go from point A to point B? And I'm glad that Create Expo Stack is making at least a dent in that journey. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, Create Expo app, as you said, it's great. It has been great. I, I like to use it, and the people creating it are definitely brilliant um, at Expo. But on the other hand, I'm pretty sure that it's not going to be like Expo's main focus. So with every new SDK or with every new Expo router version, they're probably going to like add one or two templates, but then they have like 40 templates that are outdated. You don't know exactly which one to choose. So... I don't know if, if they can actually, in a in a real world, with a realistic approach, keep Create Expo app always up to date, always um, up to what we need. And that's not even considering stuff like Tamagui or Superbase or Firebase, uh, which we can easily plug in with Create Expo stack. And I'm pretty sure like 99% that a configuration tool for Expo that gives you Firebase or Superbase is way beyond what Expo would consider like, yeah, let's do this. It's not in their wheelhouse. And, and actually sort of the next phase of what I've been doing now is, is going to different uh, organizations and saying, why do you even want to maintain an Expo starter, right? Like, what is it, what is it that you gain from that? Um, and, and frankly, a lot of them just want to work on the core, right? The core technology, which makes total sense. And so I'm like, well, well, here you go, you know, and I'll just send them like the NPX Create Expo stack 
link that is their project. And I'll be like, just use this, you know, you have a guarantee that it'll be maintained or whatever. And that's it, right? Like, why, why would you spend any of your time doing any of this, right? It, I, I, it makes little sense to me. I don't think people should spend very much time maintaining starters um, that aren't inc incredibly opinionated, right? Like Ignite's, um, or sorry, Infinite Red's Ignite starter is pretty opinionated, great. There are obviously others, and, and I think those are worthwhile, uh, but those are highly specific. But if you're just sort of throwing together for your library, like Vexo, it makes no sense. Like uh, there, there's a lot changing an SDK has dropped what every three months or something. Um, so it um, makes little sense uh, to do this. And so I think that sort of feeds into the, the, the vision for the next step of create expo stack, which is to be a portal into the expo ecosystem. Like the, the, what does that actually look like? You know, is, is, is this where you want to take things? Because uh, as we initially talked, I know that you're interested in becoming like, um, financially independent or building up whatever kind of revenue streams and uh, ExpoStack.dev is a great, it's an awesome project for the community, but of course it's open source. And right now I have a hard time seeing how, how anything like this could be monetized. I, I guess the whole community would scream out loud if you would suddenly monetize this. And I don't think that this is your idea. So do you actually have a future plan for something that could build on Expo Stack Dev or, or anything related to it? Or, or why did you just do it because you love the community? I Yeah, I, so it very much started to solve my own problems. Um, it is growing beyond that into something that is meaningful, not just for individuals, but potentially organizations. Um, I think I'd like to see... Uh, a larger utilization rate, right? Like I'd like to see even more people using it and more buy-in before I considered charging for it. Um, what I think people can do now is if you really care uh, about its existence, then like sponsor the project, right? Like I'll figure out that component at some point. Uh, I don't really have a very good idea of what it, excuse me, is, but... Um, One of the lessons, you know, the, the YC lesson is like, make something people want. And I, I very <laughs> wholeheartedly believe in that is like, I'm going to build something and then figure out how to, I think the, the way to charge for it or ways to charge for it will be sort of this eventuality. Um, uh, and or what I think will likely happen is that I have learned a lot of stuff about the Expo ecosystem since just in the last month and a half of building this, um, there's larger challenges, you know, and things that people actually really would pay for. And some of those things I'm already working on. Um, and I'm very curious to see the response to those things, uh, which are more logical to charge for. So uh, it's, it's very uh, Are you nebulous. willing to, to share any uh, of these ch challenges? Are you willing to share uh, so, the, the challenges of the ecosystem or, or what you're currently working on? I, since it's not like core to my, like it's, it's not my experience. Like I didn't start the thing. Um, I, I won't share what it actually is, but what I will say is the sort of 
principle that it or originates from, which is that there's a lot of power in native. There's been a lot of effort put into native components uh, by iOS via UIKit and from Google through Android. And as we move into a world where universal uh, applications exist, a lot of people spend time thinking JavaScript is the interface for all of those things and that we need to spend a lot of time building these sort of components, right, that recreate roughly or exactly what is being done natively. And I think that that's an incredibly wasteful uh, approach. It, it requires a lot of time and everyone's utilization is different. And so by taking advantage of the existing code and functionality and treating JavaScript as more of like just the interface and then a pass through of these props and behaviors, you can create incredibly performant and visually native experiences, um, both on web and on mobile. Um, there's, we're in this like really weird tumultuous time, even with something like navigation, right? Uh, and you see Expo Router going head to head with yeah. like different opinionated ways of how should navigation function in your application when, when on web it works this way, but on mobile it functions this way. And I, I think by embracing the native aspect of all of these platforms and not trying to impose a, a foreign pattern on one or the other, you're going to come out with the best developer experience as well as the best user experience. So that's sort of the, the background. That's the, that's the ethos behind it. Um, yeah. I think that sounds really interesting. I'm, I'm sure uh, in the future you can share more about this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to what that project uh, is going to become. Um, <laughs> I also think that I just want to mention it one more time because I want to round this up with Create Expo Stack is definitely a tool that I will pay more attention to in the future and probably use to spin up my videos. Before we bring the this episode to an end, I just would love to go back a bit in history again um, because I found your CV to be so interesting. I mean, your, your, your site, uh, onlydance.gg, uh, you list out all this stuff with Y Combinator and all your experiences. And, and while we have you, I would love to, I, I would actually love to ask two questions. So the first question is, why did you win all these hackathons? So I just listed this out. You won the Whisper API prize, won the top cash prize at MHEX2, won the Evernote API prize. How in the world did you win all these things? Was, have you been just like the, the genius kid or <laughs> are you just smarter than everyone else? I, um, so oh, that's such an interesting question. I, I don't consider myself the genius kid and I was on teams. It's really important to highlight that like it wasn't just me. And... Uh, But hackathons went through a very interesting phase when I jumped into them where they went from this thing that corporations did not understand uh, to now really like where they're eventually now at, which is they're just the modern day job fair, right? Uh, and at the peak of my experience, it was sort of like that transition, that the transition from one to the other is the silly event where people are just building things uh, in, in the true sense of hacking, which is how do you use this thing uh, in a way that it wasn't originally intended to be used? Uh, 
Uh, and <laughs> it became really like, how do you spin together this like monstrous amalgamation of different APIs to try to win as many API prizes as you can? I, I guess <laughs> at a certain point, I realized that there's a formula to like demoing to like creating compelling tech demos, which is what hackathons are really about, right? It's like a science fair. At the end, you have that whole like walk around, judge, check out the projects. So if all that you can check out about your project is uh, a laptop on a table, that's not going to catch the eye. There's a lot of projects like that. And uh, so, so on the one hand, as long as you finish your project, you've already beaten 50% of the people there, right? If you just complete something, <laughs> like you've already, you're already doing pretty well. Uh, and then the second part is like, if it's visually stunning and memorable, you stand a good chance to win. And I think once I like understood that and applied that to like, okay, you arrive at the hackathon in, let's say it's 40 hours long, first 12 hours, you build something that just works and you're just iterating on that thing afterwards so that regardless you have something by the time, uh, you're done. Mm. So, so that's step one. And then step two from the get-go you should have something that's just like holy crap like you can it feels tactile you can you can interact with it or or you know what have you and and that's what i just focused on so i created these memorable experiences uh for at least the judges that were worth pointing out you know understand what the hackathon wants to do they want the news to cover what's being built so build them something newsworthy kind of thing. Um, so that was how it happened. I, If anything, it was just a lesson in marketing, the entire experience. Very, very interesting. But nice, you, you found like like code to, to win these. Yeah. Um, I must admit, to be honest, I think I've never been in a actual hackathon in my life. So I talked to Vadim from Not Just Dev before, who's doing these startup hackathons now every year. And I know he said, like, when he was a younger, he did a hackathon in Moldova or uh, something. And it was really impactful to him. And for you, I also found one of your, I think it was in one of your essays where you said hackathons were an eye-opening experience for me. So could you just explore or explain this a bit more, what hackathons mean to you and, and like, your past and your, your current situation? Um, so I went to Penn State. And uh, Penn State is a... It's a college town, right? It's it's a university in the middle of Pennsylvania, which is like farmland. And uh, there's nothing <laughs> for miles in every direction but cows and beer. Uh, and for, for what you have in that little town is a very small, it's a lot of alcohol, a lot of students partying. And then you have a small collection of like <laughs> entrepreneurial or maker-minded students, right? So it's a very small uh, group of us. And I, and I was always really wanting to be around people who made things, which is why I majored in engineering. And then I got pulled into, convinced to jump on this bus that was on its way to Michigan uh, in the dead of winter. And I jumped on it and I landed, uh, what was it? I don't remember how long. It felt like forever, the trip. But uh, when we got to Michigan and stepped into the stadium, Their, their like football stadium where the hackathon was being hosted. And there were a thousand people there. Uh, it's, it's difficult to like register what a thousand people at a hackathon is even. But at the time, what that meant and the energy that was in that room, it wasn't, it wasn't what we were doing. Um, what hackathons really ended up meaning for me 
is that there are people out there who just wake up and have this unquenchable desire to build. Absolutely insatiable. And the other component of it that turned me away from chemical engineering actually was here are industry experts, right? From Hearst Corporation, from Facebook, from Apple, who are coming to 19-year-old, 20-year-old students and saying, how do we build this? Like, what do we do with this information? Like, what, what you know? And that was so incredible to me because it turned this whole dynamic on its head of, I'm going to go into the industry. I'm going to have to spend however many years gaining seniority. And, you know, then I can call the shots. Then I can create this impact. Uh, then I can make decisions. But here is a skill set where for every hour that I put in, it's going to reward me. Like, I'm, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I will be given the responsibility. And so that's what hackathons ended up being is, is those two points, right? Is, is that sort of ownership with technical know-how and the fact that there's enough people out there and they're worth finding that have an insatiable desire to build for the sake of doing so. Love that. Um, also, when, when Vadim told me about hackathons, I was also fired up. So I don't know if it's too late for me to join a hackathon. Uh, maybe Not maybe I'm all. just going to do it just for the experience because I know it's like it's like pretty much everywhere. You you can just look at your local whatever. There's a university or something is going on in your city, and there's like always a hackathon. Some companies always running a hackathon. Mm -hmm. So yeah, probably probably I'm I'm going to do that as well. Thank you for sharing your experience. Um, Because you, you've been in, in that YC world and you've been to a lot of hackathons. So uh, that was really also the the uh, formula for, for hacking hackathons is really <laughs> helpful for many people, I guess. Yeah, of course, of course. Definitely, definitely um, go, though. It's, it's, it's an incredible experience and it's, a, it's that forcing function that'll make you build something that you normally would be like, oh, this will take months. It's like, no, but like, what if it was only a weekend kind of thing? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The time constraint is definitely going to be challenging for me. Um, is there anything else regarding uh, Expo and React Native that you want to mention that we forgot to talk about? Or did we cover everything uh, that we had on our list? Mention no. Have you spoken to Fernando Rojo yet? Because if you haven't had him on, you really uh, should. I did, actually. Okay. Yeah, I, talk, I think I talked to him like last week. Um, The episodes are always a bit delayed. Uh, I had to record a bunch uh, in advance. So it's probably when this episode comes out, it's already live. So go check it out with Fernando Rojo. We talked about Solito and uh, that was unbelievable, interesting as well. I'm still, you know, that's an interesting thing to wrap it up. Uh, you could probably give your uh, view on this as well as a last question. So Fernando is a big fan of using Solito with Expo and then combining it with an XJS application. However, Expo Router is doing, well, it's a bit different because Expo Router kind of wants to do web on its own. Um, they give you CSS support now with currently SDK 49. And um, you can also build universal applications. You don't really need Solito or you don't really need Next.js and they want to do API routes. So Expo basically wants to do everything. What's your current take on this? Um, Is Solito with Next.js a better option, although it makes things a bit more complicated, more repository and stuff? Or would you recommend just go with Expo Router and, and, and hope for the best in the future? It depends. You know, it's just, it, it really depends on, on what you're trying to do. But, um, <laughs> but I think uh, generally, I, I'm on the side of zero compromise. 
Um, and so Expo Router is a great indication of where we're going, but it's not quite where we're at yet. And, um, and I think that Solito actually permits you the, as long as you're moving forward on the understanding that web navigation functions differently than mobile, there's no argument to be made there. Anyone who attempts to argue against that is wrong. Is just, they're just, they're talking out of their ass, frankly. Uh, navigation on a website functions differently visually than mobile. And you need to account for that. And any effort to try to pigeonhole people into a mobile-based navigation for web or vice versa, a web-based navigation for mobile is going to have a hard time probably the latter will be easier. Um, so for the moment, I actually probably side with the Solito approach, but I'm very bullish on what Expo Router will become uh, because I think it it's annoying to think. I, I don't want to, I'd like for it to be true that we don't write two sets of navigation and constantly have to worry about the bridge between them, right? Because that's really annoying. Um, but going back to what I was saying earlier about that, that native experience is like, I actually don't think it's that tremendously terrible to provide the native experience to people, um, with a shared interface that feels familiar and, and therein lies the challenge. So I think the tool, um, it's not Solito and it's not Expo router yet, but what it will be in the future is that uniform interface that provides a native experience for all the platforms, if that makes sense. I wish for that to, to exist while I live, um, yeah. but with smart people around, and I'm pretty sure we're going <laughs> to, we're going to witness this over the la next few years. So yeah. thank you so much for, for your point uh, of view about that as well. To wrap it up, where can find people uh, more about you? Definitely check out expostack.dev, but is there anything else, any place else where people can find you? My website, onlydans.gg, uh, is great. Uh, Twitter, my DMs are always open. Uh, if you want to ask me any questions or, or are curious about what I'm working on next. Uh, and Twitter is where I'll also announce all of those things. So, yeah. Awesome. So, again, thank you for taking the time. I know it's been 6.30 in the morning, now close to <laughs> 8 a.m. your time. Uh, thank so you. Thank you for all you've done for the community. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, everything else yeah um, thank you for having me on say, yeah, yeah. It, it was a pleasure um, and I hope I'm gonna bring you on again in the future when you get something new for us I'm excited I'm excited alright thanks so much Simon <laughs>